Welcome to HivriaCast, the podcast where I, Alad Nehrai, speak with some fascinating and incredible creative Jews. Uh, we are on with Miriam Brousseau. Hey. How are you, Miriam? I'm doing great, Alad. It's so good to see you. It's good to have you on. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a while since we've seen each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good excuse. What's that? This was a good excuse to hang out. Yeah, exactly. That's why I do this, actually, because people don't <laughs> realize that. Yeah, we see right through you. <laughs> I'm cool with that. Um, so, okay, there's so much to introduce you with, because you mm. do so much. Mm. Um, <laughs> I mean, are you still doing Stereo Sinai? Is that Stereo Sinai uh, is on extended baby hiatus, <laughs> but it will, <laughs> it will come back uh, at some point. Wow, okay. Yeah. So what, can you tell me a little bit about Stereo Sinai? Tell the listeners in case they don't know anything about it. Yeah. So Stereo Sinai I mean, is I'm sure everyone knows about everybody, it. Everybody. Everybody. But just as a refresher. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Stereo Sinai is the duo that my husband Alan and I did for about five years. We released a couple of albums. Um, we refer to ourselves as Biblegum Pop. Right. And um, <laughs> because we're super punny Jews. And um, what we did is we uh, we took lines from Torah, Tanakh, um, Gemara, and uh, set them to original synthetic pop music. Wow. And so the, the theory there was taking something that's super deep and authentic and marrying it with this this style that is typically thought of as super synthetic and artificial right. and what happens when you do that. Wow, very cool. And what else are you up to now? You're doing Ellie Talks, right? Yeah, and I have a hand in in Eli Talks, which is a uh, yeah, which is a, <laughs> a a platform for sharing inspired Jewish ideas. It's a, it's a uh, if we were to be so bold, might say it's a kind of modern day Gemara, kind of taking these um, big ideas that emerge from the intersection of Jewish text and tradition and people's personal lived experience. Um, and, you know, what happens when those two things collide? Um, I'm sensing a theme here. <laughs> but, yeah. um, and so, yeah, I have a hand in that. And um, I'm a digital strategy consultant with C3 Communications is my is my day gig. Wow. That's so cool. All right, so I have a lot of questions <laughs> already. So do I. <laughs> um, you know, it was interesting I, about Stereo Sinai. I like saw you guys as such pioneers because there wasn't mm. so much of that I think happening when you mm. were were rocking. You know, literally, <laughs> um, it was like pretty. I mean, it's still pretty unique. I don't. I don't know much like yeah. actual pop that like what what inspired that to, to to happen and it's with your husband right did you mention that yeah it, it's just right. the two of us me and yeah. alan suffering is my husband and right. and um, you are for people wondering we have them on hevria sessions that's true yeah that's so, true. um, um yeah so um stereo emerged because both alan and i had been musicians forever and singer songwriters and um it was always impossible for us to write together though mm. because we have such different styles of approaching things um Alan is more of a uh, methodical sort of artist, um, which by which is a, a way of saying he just works a lot harder at it <laughs> and, um, and is actually um, wildly talented. And I am more sort of the grab inspiration as it comes kind of person. Um, so writing anything together, we ended up clashing a little bit. Um, mm, but we had moved to Chicago and um, the moved into the, the Lakeview community and um, Rabbi Asher Lepatton was the, um, was the rabbi at the, the synagogue there. And he and his family were 
super warm and welcoming and all of those, you know, those cliches that you see on <laughs> synagogue websites, right? Um, but, it, but it actually meant a lot to us. And so he and his wife, Rachel, had their fourth child, Gideon, um, shortly after we moved in. And as a way of thanking them, we wrote a lullaby for the baby. And so we took this name, Gidon, and um, looked at the story of Gidon and Book of Judges and found a couple of verses that we wanted to sort of share as a as a message, as a prayer for the baby, um, and set that to a uh, set the, that to a, this synthetic arrangement. Alan had been playing with um, this production suite called FL Studio, which was popular in the hip hop community at the time, and um, and uh, we put those things together. We really liked how it sounded, and they appreciated it, and so we uh, we kept going and wrote more songs, and um, eventually took it on the road. That's cool. So what? Um what I guess inspired that afterwards to keep it like with the Jewish theme to it, as opposed to just trying to mm. like start a band or something like that. Like a, I guess I don't know what the word is secular, non-Jewish band. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think we really normal. liked. Yeah, right. Normal. <laughs> God forbid. Um, I think we really liked that that tension of this this really. Um, old, deep, um, you know, many times turned over text, um, Mm. with this very seemingly sort of thin artificial kind of, um, music. And, um, it just, there's, there's something about it that's, that spoke to us and we really liked playing with that. And I think it also solved the problem of writing together, right? At any time that we did, um, we tried to do English lyrics together and just all hell broke loose. So, um, it was nice to <laughs> take that off our plates and say like all the best lyrics have already been written. Wow. So let's just steal them from God. Well, love it. <laughs> um, so what, that's really, I, I found the idea of like, like there's obviously, I guess, a tension maybe between, like you were saying, this mm-hmm. idea of like the pop and the, like the depth of Judaism, right? Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. Was that something that you purposefully like went towards or it just worked out that way? Yeah, yeah. We we intentionally kind of explored that in um and uh, I I mean, I think when you listen to Stereo Sinai, we're sort of we're musically all over the place. We've got mm. a bluesy tune and we've got a, a spoken word tune and um you know, one that's very Lady Gaga-esque and all of that. And so um we were kind of playing out that question in different ways in different songs. Mm. Um and I think what it what we were trying to open up is like you can you can appreciate it on different levels. It can be very just background dancey, enjoyable pop music, um, and you can also dive deeper into the text, or you can think about the intersection of the two and how for for us, as with so many musicians and other kinds of artists, like how the the music acts as a kind of midrash on it and and what layers of meaning it it adds to the that core message that's really cool um I guess I wonder also like i mean the whole all these things you're talking about that you do i guess I've always kind of wondered it's something mm-hmm. I'm curious about like what your like framework what your approach is to to mm. you know to like like it was very interesting that you kind of pointed out that parallel with Ellie Eli talks uh, because uh, whether you say Ellie or Eli is yeah. totally based on how from you are. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. I've spent a lot of times in Crown Heights now, so <laughs> Ellie. Um, 
so yeah, so like it's interesting because I, I don't know, like I really, I guess I'm curious what the philosophy of mm. Miriam is because Ooh. you know, like because oh, there's honey. something going on that I feel like is really deep. <laughs> I, you know, it, it, it's you know, it's, you know what I'm saying. Like there's something that it's hard for me to put my finger on. I appreciate you thinking that. I think uh. it. I don't care what you say. I think it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, here and so so here's my jam. Um, I'll. Oh. I'll, I have I have a theory I guess that I would I would love to test on you about okay. um, I, and I've been thinking about this too like I I um, there's a there's a lot of worlds that I've been operating in and like right. what's the thing that sort of holds them together right. um, and I think it has to do with the idea of revelation actually okay um, and I'm really uh, I, I I think that art. In particular, is um, is uniquely situated to to um, deliver or facilitate, I guess, moments of revelation. And um, I have this I have this theory that so what what is a revelation, right? Um, like you think about Matantora or or any of these things, um, a revelation is a moment, whether it's something big like that or some like just little aha moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's that moment when the the content, the message, um, the the medium, the thing that's carrying that message, and the and the context, the things that are all happening around it, all kind of align and things click, mm. right? Um, and so you look at Matan Torah, for instance, and the 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 giving of the Torah at Sinai, and um, and uh, you know. And, w- and what that means over the, if there's, if you think about those three things, it's kind of overlapping circles in a Venn diagram, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, Hashem, God calls the Jewish people to the mountain and starts, and starts delivering the Ten Commandments. And, um, and the people like freak out and say like, we can't, we can't hear this from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ends up being Moshe who has to deliver it, right? Mm-hmm. So the, uh, the content was right. Mm-hmm. And the context was right, but the medium, the mm. person delivering it, needed to be adjusted in order for the people to hear it. Um, and I think so. Something that I've that I've carried with me is that um, Jewish community, in particular, I think, is um, is built on revelation. Like mm. that's how we build community, and um, I think that. It's how we build community. Yeah, because I mean, you think about like you think about the giving of the Torah, right? And that's that's the only time that we were ever all together, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yeah. um, that's the ultimate Jewish that's community, for the best, I think, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the ultimate Jewish community networking event, right? <laughs> like we're all there, <laughs> um, and it's it's never happened again, right? But like, what happened there was this like collective moment of revelation, and I think any time you have a really strong community building thing it's 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 about like having those little moments of revelation together um mm. and i think okay. and i think that um there's something about about thinking about art um that is really uh that that plays with those three things of content context and medium mm. and um shifts them and pushes on them and plays with them in interesting ways that that makes it so that you can facilitate more of those moments in more interesting ways. Um, That's so interesting. So, okay. So, um, so 
I mean, there's so many, okay, so many places to go with this. <laughs> but first of all, I think what's interesting about it is I kind of love that to me, it seems like the assumption is almost like when we're not in a state of revelation, which is, it's, I guess, probably most of the time, right? There's something mm. yeah. out of seeing. It's a hard something. thing to sustain. <laughs> yeah. And so that's so interesting that like, I guess would be, would an example be like us, mm. like me going to shul on Shabbos? Is that mm-hmm. like an example of? Sure. Okay. So... Um, so, and then you're saying with art that, okay, content would be the actual art, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. Or you could uh, think of it as, like, what the artist is trying to say or... Oh, I yeah. see. Okay. Um, the, so, yeah, the, the content is the, is the message. The con... Oh, I see. Right. The, um, the medium, then, is, mm. the, is paint in a canvas mm. or, um, or, a, or a song or whatever. Or a podcast. Um, or a podcast. <laughs> We're doing it. <laughs> Revelation. All exactly. Right. Exactly. It's happening. It's happening. Um, and uh, and then the context, I think, is is you know what else is happening around it that's informing right. that. Um, that's really interesting. Um, so, how does an artist, for example, I'm sorry if I'm is, is there was was there yeah, more you wanted to right. add or? Well, I, I was just going to say that I think that I I think about that concept of revelation a lot mm-hmm. and how um, you know. I think, and that for me ties together my sort of inner life as an artist. Oh, I see. And and my work in communications, and what yeah. do, what does it mean for us to be kind of um, building community in both of those in both of those ways, and um, how can we facilitate moments of revelation? Okay, that's really interesting. So. So where is that connection, I guess, between you're saying like your work in communications and art? You're saying in that sense that they're both forms of revelation? Yeah, or? they're both they're both trying to um they're both trying to to pull all of those ingredients together mm-hmm. um in a way that that lets somebody have that moment. Wow. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I guess I'm trying to also see like how do I uh, what would be like, I guess, a parallel between like the content and context and medium of, mm-hmm. I, guess, I guess, what would that be for communications like in that, in that? Uh, yeah. That well, what I think it's, it's the question of um, what, what stories are you telling mm-hmm. um, through which channels and when they arrive in front of your audience, what's going on around them Okay. that provides that context. That's really cool. So I guess, and it sounds to me like one of the really common things that you're talking about is this idea of building community, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you kind of address that with art as well. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. So, I guess, so my question, I guess, is how does art then uh, build community mm. through revelation and, and this uh, this framework that you've you've come up with? Yeah, I I think that um, when uh, it's 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 building that that sort of collective encounter with with something that um, that has a particular message that is is being uh, presented in different mediums and um, and yeah I don't know it's not a totally fleshed out theory but I think there's there's something about the way that art carries these different messages and is yeah. willing to well play yeah i mean well i i guess something i really identified with there was this idea of context because Mm. you know one of the things 
uh, one of my frustrations as a writer and as a blogger and these sorts of things is that I mm-hmm. often, you know, especially like, let's say I'll write something that is upsetting to other people and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And I remember um, a lot of times people would would be like, why, why even write this? Like, what mm-hmm. is the point of this? You know, mm-hmm. uh, for example, um, it's actually not something I wrote, but this uh, project we had called Nashamas where people yeah, were writing, yeah. you know. Um, so I remember people were like, why are you having all these people write all these negative things about mm-hmm. the from world, about the religious? I mean, the funny thing is we weren't asking anyone to. It was just we had the site up and then they chose to. But mm-hmm. what was really interesting about that was that when I explained to people why we were doing it, I finally came to the real reason, which was we were getting all these emails that people wanted – from people that wanted to publish anonymously and mm. uh, when we were doing, like when it was just Hivria. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would explain that to people and say like, there's like this, there's this huge energy that's going on underneath the surface and, and by not exposing it, then mm. we were doing a disservice like to our readers mm-hmm. and, and to the Jewish world. And so my point being that the only way I could explain it was through context. And, mm. and if the context was different and there weren't, those sorts of things going on, then I couldn't, um, then it wouldn't make sense, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, and that, so my point being like, that's one of the things I've started to understand is missing a lot of times in the conversation about art, you know, where we're, you know, where people have trouble understanding it or understanding why it exists or, Mm -hmm. um, and especially maybe in the religious world, I think that could be an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, shift the context and the, you know, it changes everything else. I think that what, what what's what's helped me in putting together this theory is is understanding that when you change content medium or context then it impacts the other two um Mm -hmm. and so yeah absolutely i mean and certainly something being there there's no such thing as anything that's devoid of context it's just whether people are making it up for (laughs) themselves or whether you're you're offering it in a way that Hmm. um that supports the content and the medium. So what do you mean by people making it up for themselves? Well, if you see something, for instance, um, you know, taking off of Nishamas and mm-hmm. telling, you know, uh, the, these other stories from mm-hmm. the, from world, right. Um, if they're, if they're told out of context, um, then it's, it's a human inclination to, to fill in those gaps for ourselves. Right. We'll decide. Oh, I see. Like, so like the audience gives the context. Right. We'll decide what else is going on. That's making these, things happen and maybe, you know, make whatever sweeping generalizations or, mm-hmm. um, any of those things. So, pro- so providing that, um, you know, helps carry the message better. Right. That's really interesting. And I guess whenever you do art, that's through some like, you know, where you're doing, um, Bible gum pop or you're doing, <laughs> uh, anything else that's, I, I think what's really interesting is to me is that, when you provide it in that framework, the context will always be influenced by the religion, right? Like there's no way, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're saying I'm doing Jewish art or it's in some way Jewish, then, then that's always going to be affected. Like the revelation of that art's always going to be affected, I guess. Right. Mm. Um, By that. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that's, it's, it's a question that I've been playing with in my head a little bit too, is like, to what extent is Judaism content and to what extent is it context? Right. And I think, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's varying degrees of both. Um, so what do you mean by that? Like what, 
in what sense is like what what do you mean like is it context or is it content um like torah versus community or something like that or yeah maybe um i think so in in other areas of my life i've done some work in jewish education not necessarily in the from world but in more liberal communities and i think there's been this um the there's this approach or this attitude that you know judaism is something that you sort of insert into another person right you take right. this oh, you take wow. this content and like deliver it right. um and um that that rarely works mm. um and um i think in in other communities judaism is is something that like just permeates the environment um, and becomes the context of your life, um, as much as it is sort of the stuff of it. Hmm. Wow. That's really interesting. Cause, um, we, I just read this study that was shared by someone here at Kalal, hmm. um, where they were talking about how, you know, one of the big, like ways that people are trying to engage in the Jewish world or like the mm. people that are becoming less and less engaged with Judaism and, mm-hmm. and, and the Jewish community is like, they keep trying to get them, like you're saying, like come to shul mm-hmm. or come to synagogue or whatever, come to temple, like however they put in and like basically trying to put them within this context. And, mm-hmm. and one of the arguments that the study ended up making was that these people have very often chosen a different context in which yeah. to, it's not that they don't want to connect to their spirituality. It's just that they've chosen different avenues for mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And by like this obsession with trying to do it mm-hmm. within the context that we are comfortable with, mm. um, we maybe do them a disservice, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that fascinating because I feel like, I guess as a Balshuva, it's, it, it's not something I've mm. thought about much because it's, that's not necessarily something I always identify with, but as an artist, as a Jewish artist, I actually really identify with that because I wonder, mm-hmm. it's something I guess maybe I've, okay, now it's all coming to me as I'm talking, but it's really interesting. <laughs> we're facilitating yes. a revelation This here, is right? what we're doing. Oh, this is great. This is exactly it. It's happening yeah. right here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we're like, I guess I really identify with that as a Jewish artist because I feel mm-hmm. like, um, yeah, we so often, like, I guess one of the frustrations I have as a Jewish artist, I wish that more both religious people and artists who are religious saw it as like a spiritual medium, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to just an artistic or, or an expressive medium, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm using the word medium. Mm-hmm. We're on a, See? But, <laughs> new vocabulary. Yeah. But my point being that like, I, I feel like it's such a, a spiritual activity, you know, to do, mm-hmm. to do art. And I guess, um, where did this all come from? Where were we talking about before that? Let us hear. <laughs> Because you were saying the context. Oh, right, that we were trying to inject people with, like, the content of Judaism. Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. So I guess, um, yeah, so I guess that's something I've I've started to notice myself. And mm. I guess I wonder, so what do we, what is, like, what is your approach, I guess, to mm-hmm. being able to adjust, uh, to adjust those things that, like, other people might be missing, I guess. Yeah. You know? I think, I mean, for me at least... And I think for a lot of folks, the hardest thing is is getting away from that inclination to think that I can just deliver the thing that you need. And if I just put it in the right, if I just if I just say it right or if uh-huh. I just package it neatly, then um, then it's going to do something for you. It's going to be this big, like meaningful thing in your life. Mm. Um, 
And I think there's a question of like, um, whether, uh, of, of those, of the, of medium and of context, like, am I, uh, there's, there's a little bit of like humility in it, I think mm. of like, not just assuming that the, the content is that, that, that I've decided that you need, um, is, oh, okay. is right or enough without taking into consideration the, how it's being delivered and what else is going on. Yeah. That's so fascinating. I guess that's, that's something, I mean, you really see that like what you're describing mm -hmm. in terms of the way people try and make like stuff cool or, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, yeah. um, or they think like if they just post it on social media, that's like enough right. for it to, <laughs> to do well. And like these sorts of things like, um, yeah, that's so interesting. And I think, I mean, I imagine a lot of it has to do with empathy, right? Like I, I mm. you know, to be able to really, it's one thing to like be aware of your own understanding and your own way mm. of accessing spirituality, but to be able to really go into someone else's frame of mind really re requires empathy, I guess, you know, like to be able to yeah. really address them where they're at, I guess. Um, and I wonder if that's, I don't know, I wonder if that affects like those things that you're discussing, you know? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, in the in the thing that you were just referencing mm. um, about people finding is it finding belonging elsewhere yeah, or spirituality, spirituality yeah. right? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I think that a lot of times we mistake stereotyping for empathy. <laughs> like, there's uh, just sort of this. Right. Um, I I hear a lot about you know. Millennials, for instance, are not, mm. you know, are, 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 are disconnected and don't have a sense of belonging or whatever it is. And, um, I think that's a, that's a false assumption, right? Like they're, mm. they're just finding it in, like you said, they're finding it somewhere, somewhere else that maybe we aren't necessarily comfortable with, or we'd prefer that they find their sense of belonging or spirituality in this other way. Um, mm. but it doesn't mean that it's not there. So how do you then do that as someone who is like invested in you know that jewish context or whatever like how do you mm -hmm. adapt yourself to that i guess yeah that's that's a big question <laughs> i'm not sure i mean i think i guess with you specifically is what i mean not like you general like mm -hmm. you know, how do you find like a way and because i i mean i feel like that's a big part of what you do right like mm -hmm. um eli talks uh right. like for example <laughs> is an example of that of like trying to get people I guess it, because it's like it's so based around like the TED Talk sort of thing, right? Of like mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. sort of. Um, I mean, I guess that's like an example of adapting a context that exists that people are comfortable with, and and bringing in the content. Like, is that would yeah. that be an example of that? Yeah, I think that's fair. Mm -hmm. um, there, I, I think there there are lots of ways of, of of approaching it that are you know maybe each about adjusting one of those three things about mm -hmm. content context or medium or whatever. And, mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of it also has to do with, um, with, and this is the power of so many of the projects that you've been a driver of is just, is like stories, mm -hmm. right? Um, there's, there's something about, um, both listening to and, and telling stories right. that is just a connective force in itself. Right. Um, 
I think that's the, I mean, I guess the way I see it is like, that's the power, like that stories have this power of empathy, like creating empathy in others. Yeah. Yeah. You're literally bringing people into another person's world. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've, we've, um, in my, uh, in my work in communications, we've been thinking a lot about sort of the, um, uh, the, the sort of psychological angle on it mm-hmm. and like why, sto- why stories work for us. Like why are we storytelling creatures? And, um, and what I, one of the things that I've learned that's been really interesting to think about in all of these contexts is that, um, so there was this, uh, there's this psychologist, neuroscience, neuroscientist guy, Michael Gazaniga, who talks about, um, he, he did a bunch of research into, um, the way that the different sides of our brain talk to each other. Mm. Um, and, you know, looked at people who had had some kind of brain injury or whatever, where it didn't function normally. So you could sort of understand how that works. And what he came up with was that there's this part of our brain, the, the left brain interpreter, this mm-hmm. thing that's always running in our head. That's basically taking all of our experiences and, um, and putting them together into one coherent narrative. That's the story of who we are. Um, so as we're sitting here together, right. And having this conversation, our brains are taking in all of this information and adding it to this, this ongoing narrative of like who we are. Um, and so every time we, uh, every time we encounter something, our brain is, is hard at work building that sense of coherence for us. Um, and so, when we uh, when we encounter other stories, when we encounter a piece of art or whatever it is, our brain is taking that in and adding it to our story. Wow! Um, and uh, which is super cool, <laughs> right? When you think about it, like yeah. um, it 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 literally gets sort of like built into our um, neural networks, and it becomes part of the story we tell ourselves of who we are, um, which is like puts puts a, a tremendous amount of uh of like power and responsibility into the hands of anybody who does any kind of mm. communication work whether it be whether it's digital marketing or whether it's like painting right the mm. things that we put out in the world become parts of the stories of the people that we're touching yeah. tell themselves about who they are right right i mean we think in story i guess really yeah i mean that's so interesting because i guess um you know, I heard that theory before, and I, I, I always found it fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was thinking about it recently because I remember, like, you know, I'm such a huge, I love you know, the idea of Hashkach uh, mm. like everything happens for a reason. I feel like that is so connected to the yeah. idea of narrative that we, you know, we like when we, and when we allow, it's almost like adding in, um, we're adding the, like, when I, the way I think of Hashkach is like we're adding mm. the writer to the narrative, you know, as opposed mm. to just like we're the characters, you know. Mm. Um, Ooh, I like that. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I think what I notice with myself personally, and I imagine that it's something that's common with people, is that the times in my life that I felt were the most difficult was when I had trouble telling the story, having a narrative, mm. you know. And and very often that was also the times when I couldn't see the Hashgacha Pratis in mm. the moment of... Uh, for anyone listening, Hashkach Pratis is like divine providence where God, or Hashem, mm-hmm. is in uh, is revealed uh, in our mm-hmm. lives. I mean, it's the, the Hashem is always a part of our lives, but for us to be able to see it um, mm-hmm. is is really powerful. So, um, 
Yeah, and I think, yeah. uh, you know, I guess I feel like a lot of times when people are depressed or angry, it's hard for them to see. You know, we hear this line, like, the forest for the trees, you know, and all these yeah. things. And to be able to really see the story is so, like, point being that it, I think that that, that theory is so powerful because it's so, um, we can just see that how healthy it makes us to be able to have a narrative, mm. you know, um, to be able to really provide that for what's going on. And I think, um, yeah, and I see that a lot with, with other people as well, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really love that. Yeah, yeah. I think I, it's that, I I love that, the that understanding of Hashkacha Pratis and like mm-hmm. the idea of that sort of being those moments that help build that sense of like your internal narrative and, um, yeah, having being able to tell your own story and feel like your own story makes sense, right? Um, is yeah. is so huge, and that's why I I think that's part of why you know big crazy jarring events in your life can be so traumatic because they right. they butt up against that sense of coherence, right? This doesn't right. make sense in my story, um, and yeah. and it also feels like that's sort of the work of a lot of, 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 you know, of being artists, right. Of trying right. to like, um, pull together those pieces into some sense of right. coherence. Yeah. It's so funny. Cause, um, it's, <laughs> every now and then I'll write like a really depressing, like a piece about a depressing part of my life or something like that. Yeah. And I'll talk to my mom like afterwards, you know, and, <laughs> And she'll be like, are you okay? Like, are you doing okay? <laughs> you know, she's so concerned for me. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is when I, like, I started to realize that when she would, because she would ask me that, I'd be like, I feel fine. Like, you know, and I just, and and actually, but the thing was that I realized was, number one, I only wrote about these things after I felt better about them. Mm. But number two, and actually, I think it's three things. Number two, I, um, the actual process of writing about it then helped me. Mm process that narrative more mm-hmm. um and and that was like when so i was building the narrative in my head until mm-hmm. the piece finally yeah was written and that's when it kind of was crystallized uh hopefully um <laughs> and then so th- what ended up happening was i realized that i actually felt really good when i was after i'd written that piece because that was after mm-hmm. i had processed everything gone through everything yeah and um, so actually when my mom spoke to me, I was always doing really well at those <laughs> moments. Like, and it was so ironic to you me. You missed it, like, mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, when I'm, I told her like when, when I'm not writing about miserable things, then that's probably when I'm like not doing so well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I feel like that's like artists. It's really, I mean, they do it for themselves and I feel like that's why art is so, is so healthy and it's so important for people, yeah. especially people that are drawn to it, but. Yeah. For anyone, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love that. And we have the same mother, clearly. But um, that's... <laughs> Jewish <laughs> like, mother. Right, uh, right? So. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I've become one now, so it's... Uh, uh, yes. I'm, I'm a big fan. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it also reminds me of um, one of Alan's favorite lines in Torah is... I, I don't know exactly where it is, but um, uh, somewhere in, in Devarim, in the book of Deuteronomy, like, we're we're commanded to to write Hashira Hazot, right? Like mm-hmm. we're write down this song, mm-hmm. um, which is the each of us is commanded to write a Torah and um and to write that story, right? To to um and it seems like kind of a weird thing in some ways, but there's something right. so right. powerful about that act of writing in itself and yeah. of 
reflecting and like building that that story i don't know it just that totally reminded me um of. totally and did you know uh so you know i don't know if you know i'm like i have a weird obsession with death uh <laughs> really <you> <laughs> really <laughs> you know you follow me on facebook um <laughs> So when I was doing this thing called the Death Project, um, yeah. I came across this study, which I thought was awesome, uh, where they basically said, they did a study about people who, uh, like how they kind of approach death. And, and so what they had w- was like, they did a control group where they, um, yeah, just basically, I didn't think they really changed much about their lives. And then the other group, mm. um, they had them write regularly mm. about death, mm. just write about death. And it was like, I think, uh, 10 minutes a day or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the things that happened was these people just became happier. Like the people that mm. thought about this thing that a lot of people try not to think about and that scares them and, and all these things just by writing about it. it doesn't, who knows like where they all ended up in term, in the, in the like process. I imagine they all wrote very different things, but at sure. the end of the day, this thing, they wrote about it. And so yeah. just the act of it, improve their lives and made them feel better made them feel more comfortable with death and yeah and just happier in general and and then i think there's other studies that people that write in general regularly are mm-hmm. healthier like mentally and, and even mm-hmm. physically yeah i think yeah so mm. yeah it's like mm-hmm. it's just so important i guess that's something an artist can give to others is you know just a reminder that you know telling your story is however you do it is is good for you you know yeah 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 well especially with something as heavy as as death right (laughs) like um it's there just just getting yourself to the point where you feel like you could sit down and do that is such a is such a barrier to get over and Mm -hmm. um really just leaves you uh, I, just thinking about it makes me feel super vulnerable of like, oh, well, what am I, if I do this, like, what am I going to learn? Like, what am I going to, mm. um, find out about myself or what, it, you know, is it going to make this, this feeling of, you know, fear or anxiety around death? Um, it's going to make it worse. Like it just, it feels like even right. proposing that project, like <laughs> gives me a little bit of like, like is some kind of anxiety inside, but, yeah. um, that's really interesting. But yeah, there's something, there's something really healing about it. You know what's so funny? Because I, I think that's how people approach art a lot of times. Like oh, people that yeah. want to do art, they're like, well, if I do it, like maybe it'll, it'll open something up or I'll, you know, yeah. like there's so many thoughts that people go through. You know, mm-hmm. maybe what if I get rejected and this, like they have a million thoughts before they even yeah. put a pen to paper, put a paintbrush to uh, canvas or anything like mm-hmm. that. They're, they're always, I am amazed by how much um, people will, pre-think it you know what i'm saying yeah and so it's, it's just interesting to hear you like say it about this topic <laughs> but it, because but my point is like i feel like that maybe a lot of times we think that it's like maybe you think that it's about death but mm-hmm. it's very often like just a deeper anxiety we tend to have about expression i think you know yeah yeah i think you're right <laughs> i think you're totally right yeah i, I mean we we have that that I mean, you can call it the Eight Sahara, you can call it whatever you want, like, but there's right. that inner, that, that pre-critic, right, <laughs> who's, uh, who's already decided right. that uh, whatever you're about to do is not good enough or that it's right. um, not worth doing in one way or another. Wow. Yeah. Um, I did this uh, workshop called, like, uh, it was called Fear, 
I don't remember now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> using fear to access your creativity. That's Ooh, what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And it was cool. Like, it was, I would get people to do, like, things that were increasingly scarier artistically to do. Um, oh. And um, it was really interesting to, to experience it because I had always done it with myself. And, mm. and so I knew this was, like, a powerful idea because I, I personally think fear is, like, I really do f- feel like our our fear tends to actually be like a signpost for what we should actually be expressing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, I'm scared of talking about this. That's actually because I'm invested in, in how people right. would feel about it afterwards, you know, and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and, but the powerful thing is, so, so then when you actually get people to, to do that, it's like, mm-hmm. it's so good. It's so powerful. Mm-hmm. You know what, like, this conversation made me realize is mm-hmm. that more people need to do art. Amen. And I think I already felt that. Yeah. But now we like <laughs> validated it. That was yeah. really cool. Yeah. Done. Done. <laughs> we'll make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm out of thoughts. I have no other thoughts. Perhaps this is the the natural conclusion. Don't really? don't be afraid. I'm afraid to face the end. It's wow. Really <laughs> is there anything on your mind? I'm literally. I got blank after that. <laughs> No, I I yeah. mean I'm just so appreciative and humbled and uh, like to be to be, to have this conversation with you. Of course, and, you know, you took out this this slice of of time in your life to <laughs> sit with me. <laughs> and that's of course, fabulous. of course. Um, really cool. So, what do you do? You have any new things on the back burner coming <laughs> projects or anything like that? Uh, there's gonna be something. <laughs> I yeah? mean, we're. Um, uh, yeah, I think Alan and I would both really love to get back into music yeah? in a more serious way. Um, awesome. and, uh, he's been, uh, for the last almost four years, he's been stay at home dad and, uh, that is creative and creatively and emotionally draining. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so and, uh, he's a, he's a saint for doing it, but, um, and really great at it, but, um, yeah, I think we're we're both feeling like we cool. are. So we should keep our new. keep our eyes open for some yeah Stereo Sinai or would be you think it'll be something new? Some so, there will I, I I feel like there there is something about like Stereo Sinai needs a little bit of its own kind of conclusion. Oh, um, interesting. To, and it may be a different it may take a different shape. Cool. Um, but uh, yeah. Wow. There'll be something. I'm excited. Yeah. That's cool. Is there anything you want to plug? Ellie talk? Eli talks? Oh my gosh. It's like, I didn't realize how used to Yeah, right, right. It's funny. (laughs) What are you going to do? Yeah. um, They, I think that um, we brought another um, person on board, uh, Mary Rubenstein, who is, who is crazy talented and really helping shape that um, that program in a new direction. And so I think the, the talks have gotten more, uh, more personal and Mm. more powerful and, um, yeah, we're, there's, there's more to come there. So elitalks.org. Cool. Anything else? I think that's, that's all I got. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Well, it's so good to have you. Yeah. Thank you for coming. Thanks. It's an honor and a pleasure. Cool. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to HivriaCast. I'm Aladna Harai. If you'd like to hear more and read more of our work, you can follow us by going to hevria.com or facebook.com 
slash HivriaMag. We've been recording at the Kalal Studios in New York City, and the music that you're hearing is Voice Lessons by Darshan. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing and hearing from you again. Oh,